Wir gehen jetzt in den Wassers los. It's Deinen Freundo, Seth, I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Hello, Super Ninfrendos. It is Nintendo Voice Chat episode 599, and we have an incredible episode for you today. With us, as always, industry legend, Cat Bailey. Wow, the N64 beating the NES. I'm just jumping straight ahead. I cannot even <laughs> freaking believe it. What a... Okay, we're going to have some words. We're going to have some words. We have a lot of words uh, this this 
this week. Uh, joining us for more words, the, and everyone loves your words, by the way, John Cartwright coming back to the show. Newsmaker John kind. Cartwright. Yeah, I couldn't say where I was last time. I think I uh, I joined my new place a day before our last MVC ad. But I'm at GVG mm-hmm. now. Good vibes Excellent. gaming. Excellent. And back again, another fan favorite, Jared Petty, joining us from North Carolina. I can smell the barbecue from here. <laughs> oh, the barbecue is so good. It's one of the best things about coming back here. And uh, also, Doki Doki all, good to see you. Thanks for having me, Seth. And Kat yeah. is so, so right. What is wrong with this community. well look what we're gonna get done? we're gonna get to that but we have a lot of other things that we need to get to first that are just gonna have everybody shaking their heads uh let's start off with nintendo is saying goodbye to the wii u and 3ds eShops. they announced in march of 2023 they're closing those servers down they're pulling the plug they're walking away they're taking their football they're going home um a lot of people very unhappy about this. There are what, like uh, 2,500 games that are just going to disappear from planet Earth? If I'm... 1,799. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> Plenty Better. will be still available via physical releases, but they will be somewhat harder to get because a lot of these physical releases are fairly rare. For example, Metroid Prime Trilogy, which you can get on the Wii U eShop. I go get that right now. <laughs> no, I already sold it for like fifty bucks. Oh, oh my god! god you, I'm so I mean, your investment was supposed to go up. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I'm a little disappointed, but Nintendo is their response to this is just a big. Meh, meh. So yeah, Jared, oh, we Nintendo. we specifically brought you on the show because of your your retro knowledge, your chops. We would like Uh-oh. to hear what you have to think about. The, the loss of the 1,799 games. Okay, well, if you could put a stethoscope to my chest right now and feed it into the mic, you just hear the Price is Right trombone. They'd be like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I, okay. That's we've too been much barbecue. Through, we've been through this before, man. We we really have. Oh, yeah, we had to talk about that pork barbecue. That's a yeah, pulled pork vinegar, dry rub. <laughs> I don't want to fool with any of the sweet stuff. Okay, but we're coming back to that. Look, we've been through this before. I remember when the Wii shop closed down. And not only could you not buy games anymore, you couldn't download games anymore. Like mm. once they, you couldn't even go back and get them again once you purchased them with, with that. And so there was a night where I might, to my undying shame, have spent several hundred dollars. Oh my god! Uh, in like a twelve-hour buying spree with uh, with with Wii points cards, purchasing everything that I thought I might ever want to play again. I understand that it is not trivial to keep these games available. And th- th- this really matters to me. I mean, my day jobs, I work for limited run games. I've got a company that sells physical media uh, for collectors. That's what we do. We obviously care a lot about this kind of thing. I care about this is, is what I've made my career around largely. I get the business argument. Nintendo knows we're not going to stop being Nintendo fans over this and it costs them money. So they're doing it. I still think it's a really wasted opportunity. I do know from the business end, I've worked in a lot of different corners of this business now, that one of the things I've learned firsthand is that it is not trivial to build and maintain the systems that allow us to play old games and make them available to people at high quality. We can say, well, why don't they just port them to Switch? That is actually a really big deal. It's expensive. It's hard. It takes a long time. The lawyer stuff alone is unfathomable that goes into something like that. (laughs) And that means expensive. 
plus the technical challenges and hurdles are more than you'd think. So I get that, but it still sucks. Nintendo <laughs> could choose, yeah. could choose to eat the cost. They are not short on cash and they're not, and it's just a little bit penny pinching for a company that is, what's the, you know, John Raffia thing, flush with cash to do this to us just because they can. We're not victims here. We all knew this was probably going to go away someday, but it blows and they can do better. And I'm mad about it. And someday somebody's going to Microsoft's moved more and more in that direction. And every time they do it, I buy more games from them. You know, that's it's, it's working. They're making more money off of me. I realize I'm in niche audience. Okay, I talked a lot there. I get the arguments. I get the business end of it. The fact of the matter is they could have kept this around, and they aren't, and they know they can get away with it. Yeah. Well, Kat, uh, you were in the uh, the Facebook group, uh, I believe, voicing your uh, uh, concerns about some, some of the threads. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Oh yeah, there was uh, some debate happening on the NVC Spirited Facebook group. Debate. Hello, all of, all of you. Thank you for posting your thoughts. I pushed back a little bit, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I guess I just don't think that it sits particularly well with me to treat games that aren't popular as disposable." And I think that Nintendo's response regarding game preservation was particularly callous, where they said. Just go play our like 130 some games on Nintendo Switch Online, whatever. And then there was a backlash on Twitter, and Nintendo went and deleted that comment oh, damn. from the FAQ, which was pretty amazing because it did really come off as very snide. It's like, <laughs> you, you retro people, just go <laughs> play your crappy classic games on Switch, whatever. And, you know, Nintendo has a little bit of an obligation here because they are a historic game company. They go back a long, long way. They go back 40 years at this point. And to just throw away that history does actually bother me a fair amount. And Nintendo has shown repeatedly that they don't really care, all things considered, about the various digital libraries on their platforms. More to the point... It just really highlights the problematic elements of going so fully digital. It means that stuff is going to be lost to history. I think about, this is like a small thing, but I think about this, of how I really, really wanted to play Scott Pilgrim. And for a time, it was unavailable. It was Mm -hmm. not on PC. It had been delisted on PS3 and Xbox 360. I spent a whole bunch of time trying to get it running on an emulator, and it was just not amazing. And finally, by the grace of God, it was actually released uh, on PS4 and Switch and Xbox One. These are like really good games in many cases. And I'm sorry, just who, who, released, them, who released that on PS4 and Xbox, Xbox One? <laughs> who was that again? <laughs> Thank you, Limited Run Games. We oh. re- appreciate you. I said I, so, I Switch and PS4. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I, I I guess as a person who actually kind of plays more retro games in many ways these days, uh, it grieves me to see Nintendo just kind of throwing away the 3DS and Wii U eShops and kind of 
relatively soon after de- their demise as well. Yeah. John, are you uh, are you taking your wallet out? Are you are you going to be loading up? I unfortunately am. I've spent a ton already just uh, oh, trying no. to buy up everything that I missed. Um, and there's so much, like, in, even in the physical realm, if you didn't buy, well, if you didn't download the Xenoblade Chronicles X data pack, then the physical disc is going to run worse, and you won't be able to download that again when the shop closes. Oh, wow, um, yeah. and like they preserve some games like NES Remix One and Two, but then there's others like Pushmo, which are just going to be stuck on both 3DS and Wii U. And it's infuriating that this industry is kind of stuck in that because we're obviously more technical than film and like books and things like that. Uh, games are tied to hardware, so it's not like. Imagine, imagine the film industry said, "Like we're not going to give you Ghostbusters anymore. Just watch the new one. That should be fine, <laughs> shouldn't it?" Like, we, we don't really have that kind of example for us because we're all just tied to new generations of hardware. But it's like if they said that, um, that wouldn't sit well with people who enjoy film, and it doesn't sit well with me who enjoys games. And we, yeah, we're losing so much, especially on 3DS, which is full of fantastic digital exclusive games that probably aren't ever going to be ported. And John, actually, on the film side, there are plenty of movies that are actually a real pain to mm. be able to watch. Uh, one of my all-time favorite movies is Defending Your Life, a film that I think it might be on streaming, but for a time, it was only available on DVD, and I had to really seek it out. You know, like, the stuff is just increasingly hard to get. And look, you know, we're not uh, entitled to every single piece of media of all time, at, at our fingertips whenever we want, necessarily. But I do think that it's a little frustrating when this stuff is just tossed away, like it's no big, whatever, moving on. So, yeah. And I, I yeah. Oh, go ahead, Kat. Sorry. Uh, and, you know, uh, they said March 2023, but you got to kind of move fast because in May, they're going to stop allowing you mm. to actually load money uh, yeah. using your credit card. You yeah. can only use. Um, uh, the 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 3ds or sorry the 3ds and Wii U shop cards so yeah so it's actually ending a lot sooner than you think. From a personal perspective, I think that we've been forced yet again into a situation where we should buy anything somebody's willing to sell us at at a at a reasonable industry standard price. We should buy it. We should support the developers. We should support the publishers. And when they take it away, we should steal it. <laughs> but we shouldn't have. To, but but we shouldn't have to steal it. Sure. No. It we're saying please let us give you get. money. Please let yeah. us just give you our yes. money. But they're saying no. Uh, and, and you know we're running into this with you know it, we've reached a place where many anachronistic video games are old video games and physical media cartridges from the NES SNES era discs from the PlayStation era are prohibitively expensive on yeah. the aftermarket and. I, I and I love those old games, and as a collector, uh, a minor collector, I enjoy having them, touching them, etc. But you know, it's not like why why if I can't give money to the people who created it, why do I care if some collector selling it for a few thousand dollars gets their money or not? People are going to go out there and and do what they can do to get it at a reasonable or free price in that. And I don't think that that is some kind of horrible, unethical action. It's a, it's a response to a broken marketplace. Mm. Um, This is a problem that this market has that it seems unwilling to fix. Is there any other solution that you could, you know, I mean, it's going away Mm -hmm. and apart from, you know, going on a torrent site, is there a solution that Nintendo could offer up 
uh, yeah, keep the servers short on. of well, short yeah. of keeping the servers on, <laughs> that would you know satisfy the members of the panel. I mean, it's baked in. It's kind of baked into the actual thing that eventually these digital stores will go away. I do think it's interesting that a year ago, uh, the P- Sony came under a lot of fire because they were going to do the same thing with the PS3 and PS Vita versions of PSN, and the backlash was such that Jim Ryan apologized to fans and said, we were wrong, sorry, we're going to keep it up, and backed off it. But as far as I can tell, Nintendo is just going to go, eh, no, just going to keep yeah. going. I want to point out that the PS3 is significantly older than either the Wii U or oh, the yeah. 3DS. I, I guess one major thing, too, is um, both the DSiWare store and the PSP store were preserved through their successes. So DSiWare is all on 3DS right now. So not only are we losing the 3DS store, we're losing DSiWare. But the Vito is preserving a lot of PSP stuff as well. So they kind of kept those stores alive. Even though the PSP store was inaccessible, you can buy games through the Vita or the PS3 still and just load them onto your PSP that way. So that's that seems like a solution. And say your system dies. Like if your Wii U just won't turn on anymore, you've lost everything. Yeah. That's all gone. Ugh. And I think it's kind of about treating games as more than just capitalism. Maybe having some respect for the history of the medium and being willing to say, okay, this is a money losing prospect, but we are willing to be to keep this online out of respect for our personal history as a as a as a company. But more to the point, we're losing pocket car jockey and that's just yeah. absolutely <laughs> monstrous. It's one of the best games I've ever played. It's my top twenty favorite games of all time. Are y'all familiar with Pocket Car Jockey? Like I, I'm oh, sure yeah. you are, Jared. Oh yeah. Uh, you know what? No, I am not you're not. Please teach me. You're not. Ooh, oh good. I'm gonna do this. Treat. I'm gonna teach you about Pocket Car Jockey. So it's from Game Freak, the creators of Pokemon. And it's kind of in that style of Derby Stallion and games like that from the NES. But you are a jockey who dies and goes to the afterlife and God asks you what your dream is. And your your character was not particularly smart, says, I want to be a championship horse rider. And God asks you, what are you good at? And you say, solitaire. I'm really good at solitaire. And so you go back to Earth and you become a championship horse rider by virtue of playing solitaire. And it's actually really fun. Like speed solitaire, you have to be like really focused every single race. There's a really great loop going on where you're trying to breed up the horses and get to the point where you can win basically the triple crown and then keep racing beyond that. You're trying to breed the ultimate horse. And it's genuinely nerve wracking when you're in that final race and it's coming down to the wire and you're like, don't screw up, don't screw up. This is going to mess it up for, for good. I'm not going to be able to make it. So I am pocket so car jockey. If you haven't played it, sold. I am so sold. It sounds like <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like Ghost Trick meets Inscription mm-hmm. meets Karnov meets like this sounds like everything I love in life. I, I cannot wait to play it. Oh, I wish sports games were half as fun as I wish FIFA or Madden were half as fun <laughs> as pocket car jockey because it understands how to get you on a loop where you're like, but. This time, I'm going to have an amazing season, and my horse is just going to kick butt, right? And it also tracks all of the trophies that you're winning, so there's a little bit of a meta layer going on and everything. I'm not even into horse racing, but it's surprisingly accurate, actually, because the horses will be like the stalker, but some will be the front runners, that kind of thing. 
uh, they I have different the traits. Horses? Can I date the horses? The horses date one another. They, ah! You put them together and they're like, oh, I'm in love and everything. And you're like, yes, I know what you're doing over in that pasture. But. Aww. <laughs> I, a fun sidebar just for a moment. Uh, I mm-hmm. had an outdoor wedding on a farm. Um, and it was very lovely. And immediately after the uh, the officiant said man and wife, and we kissed and held hands, two horses standing behind us began to copulate. Uh, <laughs> it's a celebration. It, it, uh, yes. Uh, it, to they the thought that the officiant was talking to them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it was It was a great moment in my life. Uh, That's <laughs> for so many reasons. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, a Disney I, movie. <laughs> <laughs> no one like Gaston. No one. No, I'm sorry. Uh, wait, 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 wait. This is a family show, this is Jared. A family show. This is a Nintendo podcast. So, uh, 1738, we put a little <laughs> Yahoo sound over what Jared just said. Um, my, I guess before we move on, I just, you know, I think that uh, if you're really wanting to buy these games go and buy these games like as fast as you possibly can and the only other alternative that i have is that you have to accept the impermanence of everything in life which no, is something I'm not that going we all to. struggle with lightning so. round uh can people recommend games that sh- people should go out and get right now i'll say oh, yeah that was actually one of the biggest questions for question block this yeah. week. people want their want recommendations are we going to so, save yes. it for a question block then or are we gonna no, 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 right no 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 i actually thought that that was what your cat take was so i was saving it for cat take surprise but... no whoa surprise cat take lightning round surprise cat take all right I got, uh, okay I got lightning something. round all right you okay go first, ahead Karen. you go no, first? you go okay uh first up crimson shroud um, the, the most delightfully granular dice rolling uh, RPG ever. You're using the bottom 3DS screen to roll dice around, and it's beautiful and wonderful, and it's everything I love about RPGs. Uh, Rekka Summer Carnival 92, which you really can't really get anywhere else other than stealing it, uh, which is a standout Japan-only NES shooter um, and, and the greatest technical showpiece in the NES and also a very good game and the criminally underrated Sega 3d classics for 3ds, which you really do want to buy here because you want that 3d screen. It's one of the really great uses of 3d burner. Oh yeah. After burner and it's M2. So they add all these extra like features yeah. and board <laughs> tweaks and screen rotation to emulate the arcade so cabinet. And it's incredible. Mm. Um, buy them. No one cared. And M2 put so much effort into them. They're a treasure. I care, Jared. I, I care too. I have the physical copy of it. So, <laughs> right. Kat, what are your recommendations that people pick up in the 3ds and Wii U eShop? Go get the GBA games. Go get uh, Golden Mm -hmm. Sun, go and get the Metroid Fusion, and go and get Metroid Zero Mission, because those games are available physically, but they're very expensive. Yes. So that's a very... When Metroid Dread was coming out last year, there was a huge spike in people playing Metroid Fusion and Metroid Zero Mission on their Wii U, because surprise, surprise, people wanted some background, some context, and that was Mm -hmm. really the only easy way to be able to access these games. That's a little bit of what we're losing right here because they're not available on Nintendo Switch yet. So yeah, go get those GBA games because they're really good. And (laughs) Nintendo shows no signs of putting GBA VC on the Nintendo Switch anytime soon. Nope. John, what are your recommendations? I'll throw some regional stuff in there. So Drill Dozer never came out in Europe and they localized it for a bunch of languages like Spanish and Italian and German. 
And um, they put it up on the Wii U eShop. The, the localizations they did way back in the day and never released, they sold them. So now if you speak those languages, you can play Drill Dozer in that language. So that's awesome. Um, and also Shin Megami Tensei 4, that's like a pillar of the 3DS library, never got a physical version in Europe. So if you don't buy it now, you're, you're losing that game in Europe. One of the best RPGs, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea that didn't come to Europe. Oh, That's wild, yeah. yeah. And also, uh, Mario Advance 4 Super Mario Bros. 3 has the e-reader levels, which are incredible. It's like they mix in the Mario 2 stuff, there's the Mario World cape. There's a lot of, there's like 38 brand new levels that I, I imagine most people haven't even touched. So yeah, get that. Yeah. And they're Sarah, good picks. Did mm. you say NES Remix got a physical release? Because if you, NES Remix is just wonderful. Just wonderful. Mm. That's another regional done. thing. So 3DS mm-hmm. got NES Remix Ultimate in Europe. America mm-hmm. got NES Remix 1 plus 2 on Wii U. And that has a bunch of games that aren't in Ultimate. So America has all of them on physical. Europe doesn't. So buy one and two if you can. I'm going to have to buy those right now. Well, I'm going to have to <laughs> everything up. But the I'm only game that pops out to me is uh, I really loved Rusty's Real Deal Baseball. And that's one of those... <laughs> It's one of those free to start games, so you could download it, but you're gonna have to buy all the like upgrades and downloads as, as fast as you possibly can. But man, that game gets hard. the The reflexes of hitting that, hitting the ball, and trying to it's 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 a very fun and very charming game that they've completely, absolutely abandoned 100. So yeah, go check out Rusty's Real Deal Baseball. Those are those are our picks, our of sadness, last ditch efforts to preserve some games before Push it's gone. Boy. Yeah, I forgot this. Oh yeah, the, oh yeah. I mean, we could do a whole episode of, of just like listing games, <laughs> just a rote <laughs> reading of a list. But this year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it, and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, It's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, Um 
unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I want to move on to something that I am actually uh, sort of obsessed with, and that it is also why we have John back on the show. John, please tell us about uh, this Twitter account called Waddle D Knows. So this was a social experiment. Um, I wanted to see how easy it is to become a Twitter insider. Because if, if you're in the Twitter bubble, you probably know that a new one pops up every week, and mm-hmm. they somehow gain a massive following, and they keep it up for years and years and years. Sometimes they get cited by news, sometimes they just build giant followings. And I just wanted to, wanted to prove how easy it was to fake. So there were, there were sort of rumblings of a direct coming up. So I made a, an account called Waddle D Knows. I set it to private, and I basically just tweeted like 200 things. 30 of them were just different dates in February. Well, it, there aren't that many days in February, but just lots and lots of tweets about each day. Like, there's a direct coming on the 1st, a direct coming on the 2nd. And once I'd done listing all the dates and a bunch of predictions, I just kind of cleaned everything up once the direct aired. So I, I cleaned up the date so it looked accurate. And I cleaned up all of the um, the uh, errors. So basically, I was left with things like Koatecmo making Fire Emblem, Next Level Games are making Mario Strikers, Clouds in Chocobo GP. And then I ended up with maybe like 20 things that were right, uh, just because I posted so much crap. <laughs> um, so it, it, all in all, it looked fairly real. And then the next step was just making it um, spread. So I went on to Game FAQs, and I made a thread saying like, hey, look, this guy got so much right. And a few people called it out. A few people said, maybe you just faked it. But even though people called it out, that didn't stop them from actually uh, from actually spreading. And it managed, in around seven hours of being public, I think I got 2,000 followers. And um, But the plan was always just to keep it live for a day, to not deceive people, and just to prove a point. So seven hours in, I just told everyone, hey, this is fake. You've all fallen for it. And um, the aim of this was simply to make people be careful about this stuff. Because people keep this stuff up for years and years and years, and it can be damaging to those who make games, to those who report on games. And I think uh, it's made just reporters a bit more cautious too, because some people did report on Waddle D knows. So hopefully in the future when people pull this sort of thing off, they'll say, hey, but remember Waddle D knows? And hopefully that'll do some good. I hope that, John, that is... you are the plot of Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I just hope that any future rumor accounts that people just that's the reply on Twitter is remember Waddle D knows like that's yeah. the rallying cry. Mm-hmm. Kat, you are uh, the news senior editor at IGN. So this sort of thing is absolutely in your wheelhouse. Would you uh, give us some insight from a news side of things as to how you know you treat 
these rumor accounts and uh, and and whatnot. So this is what happened when my editor Joe Scrubbles showed me the Waddle D knows Twitter. <laughs> like he dropped it in the DM to me, and I was like, "Huh, okay." And I was going through it, and I was like, "Oh, looks like there's actually a Nintendo Insider." Like I I did actually buy it because it it looked pretty authentic, right? I mean, you're like, okay, so this person clearly knows. And my first thought was, well, they're going to get caught, some kind of leaker, <laughs> right? And but I followed them, you know, just in case because. Generally, our approach to leakers is that we'll file away a lot of information for our own benefit going forward, because when events are coming, it'd be really helpful to be like, oh, we should write some news shells so we can be prepared and get the story up ASAP, right? Or we can check with our own sources and have a clear picture of what's coming up. But, you know, we don't report on what leakers are having to say in general, because Frankly, we don't think that it adds a whole lot to the actual conversation. A lot of people in the games industry already kind of know a lot about what's happening at any given moment, but there's not a lot of point in actually just sharing it outright because it's just going to get announced at some point, right? It's only good for maybe informing coverage. Now, there are examples of like, oh, this game went away. What the heck is the story behind that? Or this game, like what's going on with this game? It's taking forever to come out. That kind of thing. So if there's like a public interest around some of this stuff, we will report on carefully vetted leaks. But there is a kind of a leak culture that has taken hold in the games industry. That's a little, mm-hmm. it's a little wild. I think people are just absolutely obsessed with it. And I think it kind of connects to how people approach Nintendo Directs, which is to say that you know they could get everything. They could get a Mario. They could get a Zelda. They could get a new Metroid. And it would still be on to the next thing. We want something else to be announced. People are addicted to announcements for the sake of announcements. And John, I think that you highlighted that really well with your Waddle D knows stuff. I mean, there's one other thing the account did too, is apart from just getting stuff right, the next step was trying to give people something to latch onto. Because you've got stuff in the past that's right, but that's not how you build your following. You've got to say things like that that haven't been announced yet. So I did two things. Um, One was just something very, very safe that people kind of already think is coming. So I told them that GoldenEye is coming. So there's already so many rumors about that. Um, So just tell them what they want to see, and that will probably make them excited. And the next thing was something wacky that no one else has said. And I said something like, um, Bandai Namco is making an Encanto game, a Disney Encanto, (laughs) published by Nintendo. Um, and that got around too. I think that, that might have even got a news article. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's kind of the thing you got to do. You got well, what they do even, um, is just give people something to be excited over. It could just be something that's already out there. Something very simple. Uh, you could say Nintendo's developing a Mario game because of course they are. But oh, that's seen as you news. are an insider. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I think one of the reasons I'm so obsessed about like you've basically just pulled like a James Randi move like you are the the skeptic of but you're doing what uh, like a like a like a psychic does for a cold reading. They just throw everything out until something sticks and then they go from there. And it's kind of amazing to me as somebody who was like really into the skeptic movement in like 2010 and then since like realized that was way too nerdy for a guy who works at a video game site. But anyway, it's just I really love like everything that you did is just exactly how people have been just scamming others for centuries, basically, you know, with all these uh, the, just 
throwing it all out there, the shotgun approach and whatever sticks people will tend to then paint the target around, which is what you did. And I think it's so amazing. And it goes to show just how willing we all are to just believe what we already kind of want to believe. So, man, uh, I am. Yeah, there's there's a future for you at Fox News, John. Definitely. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, if you were a true psychic, you could see the future, though. So that's the thing. But yeah, that was I, absolutely. Now, was there any sort of like were people mad? Was there any fallout from this? Did anyone come out and tell you like you're you're hurting them or you're doing something that's harmful or bad? I was anticipating that, and um, I was so close to not revealing it was me because of that. Uh-huh. But um, once once the account revealed it there was a very positive reaction and i think it was because i didn't keep it going for long it was just seven hours that was it and so most of the replies were like they're, they're in support of this so i think everyone's kind of tired of this leak culture and um yeah they just seemed impressed if anything and maybe there were one or two negative comments but i, I didn't see them to be honest oh, i think wow. people were just um yeah i think they're all uh, as tired of um about this as i am so that was kind of cool to see <laughs> One of the things I most admire is that you just did it for seven hours because I would have just been so tempted to keep doing it forever and ever and ever. You would have been, become addicted to the power. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I, I see these rumor accounts, you know, they'll they'll throw out 100 rumors before direct. Maybe two of them will come true. And then some of the bigger ones, they'll explain it away with like, oh, uh, I guess our sources were, were wrong on that. I mean, nobody bothers to check them on that. So, uh, yeah. So many of them as are just big right wish once. lists. Yeah, they're literally exactly. just wish lists. It's like Metroid Prime Four, the next direct, and people are like, "Oh boy!" You yeah, know? Well, plans changed. What can you yeah. do? I'm, I'm just having flashbacks working on the publishing side when there were real leaks, and you're sitting there in damage control, like like hyperventilating. As well, the I'm in- actually I'm in. interested to hear. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you can share any stories. I can't. Uh, not not no. in any detail, but uh, just no, that the, would be the stress of it. Just it. Well, there are situations at, at every publisher. Uh, I, I can say this uh, with fair certainty, where you've worked very hard to prepare something in a certain way. It, by and large, here's an amazing thing about the video game industry. The people at the operational level uh, really, really want the audience to be excited because they're proud of the products they're working on. Most people yeah. that work in games want to be there. Um, and they're taking less money and working more hours than they could otherwise be doing uh, to do something, that, to work in an art form they care about. And so when it goes awry, the panic's not just, oh, no, we've lost control of the situation. The panic is, oh, no, we had that planned out in a way that was pretty good for the consumer. And now the dialogue is going to be about something different. And that's too bad because we'd hope to do this next thing and that next thing. So overall, it's mostly a feeling of disappointment. Um, And that's as specific Mm. as I, I can be. But uh, sure. I can tell you that uh, leak accounts are, are an interesting thing from the other end of the uh, of the spectrum, too. It was funny seeing a few professionals uh, interact and retweet this, um, the reveal. The people from Media Molecule, Pokemon Company, Nintendo, uh, just, just re- regular employees from those companies were sharing this stuff. Really? So clearly, they resonate with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I think there's that. just more interesting conversations to be had in the games industry by and large uh, than incessantly reporting on potential leaks around games, even though they get clicks, people are excited and interested to know that, you know, 
Bandai Namco is making a new Encanto game or GoldenEye is coming back <laughs> and that kind of thing. But yeah. I think that we only have so many resources and there are a lot of stories that need to be told within the games industry. And mm. maybe we should focus less on just some game might be in development maybe somewhere and we're leaking it right now, even though it's going to be announced in six months. Yeah. Well, you go onto any message board and you know if there's a famous leaker and they've just got a new rumor, they'll always say, well, they were right about meh. And so then, you know, that proves that they're going to be right about this one, too. Oh, well, it's like right the NVIDIA the GeForce leak that everybody was obsessed about for about a week. Oh, yeah. It seemed to have all of the games that were like people have been really wanting uh, for a hot minute. And it's maybe that one's right. Maybe it's wrong. Who knows? Plans to change. But one of my favorite examples of the opposite of a wish list leak was when that fake Nintendo Switch mock-up came out. I don't know if you remember, that it was just an oval. Oh, the oval, that yeah. Somebody, yeah was, uh, and it was like, Nintendo's done. Forget it. There's no more Nintendo going forward. And then it was just like, yeah, we 3D printed this in like an afternoon. And everyone was starting to like examine the reflections in the screen, and they thought you, they found the building. <laughs> I Yeah, I like I was there too. I I, I uh, blew it up against the, uh, the, the, the MacBook that it was at, and I was like, okay, well, if we know that the MacBook is like 13.7 inches, then this new Nintendo console is going to be, you know, 9.8 inches. And that doesn't seem like something that, it, uh, yeah, I fell for it too. It makes I, me I think saw... of when the Elden Rings, sorry, go ahead, Jerry. No, after you can't, I apologize. It makes me think of when the Elden Ring leaks were happening and it was literally off screen footage of a, a trailer. And I mean, like what kind of way is that to get your first look? at an actual game. Like, I don't even think the sound was on and eventually the trailers came out and yeah, they proved accurate, but it's kind of something for these hyper engaged online communities to feed upon, I guess, but all things considered in terms of being able to get your first look at a game, it's kind of a crap way to be able to see it. <laughs> it's, it's video game church. It's, it's a, it's, video game the, it's the high points of a Pentecostal service. It's the, it's the emotional rush, the dopamine. Um, you know, I, I, to make a, a terrible metaphor, I, I, a, a, a message that's, if you actually listen to it and follow it in, in a theological setting, that might improve your life is generally going to be fairly boring and challenging and difficult and therefore less engaging, but getting worked up about something great that we all love. That's easy. And I'm not taken away from that. I watch reaction videos. God knows how many times I've watched the smash brothers character roster reaction videos of people (laughs) because it just makes me feel good. But Mm. can't what you were saying earlier, there was more stories to tell in games. I mean, one of the things I admire about your career is that's what you do. You go, dig up the things. And I understand that sometimes fewer people are reading them, but I think if we keep doing it, that'll change. And I'm just, I'm really, really glad that that envelope gets pushed beyond just the emotional serotonin jump. Oh, I do love me some serotonin though. Mm. Mm -hmm. So those Nintendo store reaction videos are always kind of a treat when they (laughs) announce a thing and people act like it's, you know, the USA winning a World Cup game or something. Like, it's the same. It's like a sports reaction video. And I'll admit, I watch them too. They're fun. I guess I'm I'm the only one who doesn't like reaction videos. They always seem very forced to me. So I, I try to avoid them. I, the, the ones where the influencer is screaming into the camera, I find... Throws the headphones off. Oh, my God! Yeah, it, it can oh, be a but, performance. But sometimes there's genuine joy. Like, those are the best mm-hmm. kind. 
I just I have two kids. I just watch them. <laughs> they get very excited, so that that spills over to me. So yeah, John, thank you for all that you do, actually, because that that is just like that is such a legendary uh, move that you did. And thanks for coming on and, and talking about it. I and go uh, check out that and lots more great content at Good Vibes Gaming, which is this amazing channel that John is on. <laughs> Thank you. And that's, that's how I kicked off my first week. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to that's, start. Yeah, seriously. That's incredible. All right. Well, it's that time of the week. It is time for a cat take. Cat, what is your take for us today? Seth, this week, I'm taking John Cartwright to take court. Uh-oh. Yep. Because uh, he had a take. He had a take on Twitter about eight hours ago. <laughs> Star Fox Guard is good. And everyone who says otherwise is a liar who is jealous of Star Fox Guard. This, this is this thing. This is the kind of take that gets my heart pumping. I'm very excited <laughs> about this take. John, defend your take. Why is Star Fox Guard good? I didn't realize what is Star this Fox was so Guard? controversial, Kat. But um, <laughs> Star Fox Guard was the pack-in for Star Fox Zero. And it often got ignored. And if you remember, this... this First got debuted as Project uh, Guard and Project Giant Robot, the two demos by Miyamoto, and um, they like they kept in like little dark corners at E3 or like media briefings and things like that. And to see this one actually become a full fledged game was fascinating. But there's some cool history behind this. Whereas Project Giant Robot kind of got repurposed as the Labo, you know, robot kit. But this um, basically basically was untouched from the tech demo, and it takes place in the Star Fox universe with Slippy's uncle Grippy. Uh, and you basically got to defend your base by, from a bunch of robots who are invading. And on the gamepad, uh, this is probably the best part, because not many Wii U games really utilize the gamepad in an effective way. But this game does. So you've basically got this one display on the TV with some sort of um, other like a CCTV feed circling around it. And you're able on the gamepad to touch the different feeds and see through the cameras. And then you can aim and shoot at the robots. So it's a very simple tower defense game, but it properly and cleverly utilizes the Wii U's functionality in a way that very few other games do. In fact, I think this functionality is probably better than Star Fox Zero itself. Um, and I think it just largely gets ignored. People probably don't really talk about this game because they probably haven't played this game. It's just a packing of Star Fox Zero. But even though it's fairly simple, I think there's a lot of joy packed in here. Um, Kat, have you played this by any chance? I have. I reviewed Star Fox Zero back okay. in the day. And you talk about Star Fox Guard brought me back to the halcyon days of the Nintendo Wii U, which we're kind of looking back on right now because the Wii U eShop is closing. And I remember going to the E3 where Miyamoto was showing off the prototypes of the various games that in one way or another would be turned into various things. And it was such an odd time (laughs) to be a Nintendo fan in general, right? And some would say a little more fun because when Nintendo gets in a inventive mood, weird and interesting and fun things result. And one of those things was Star Fox Guard, a game that I played it. I was like, okay, that's an interesting little, you know, uh, prototype thing to play. And then I moved on with my life. But (laughs) so so I thought it was funny that you were like, no, Star Fox Guard, like, there's a lot of joy packed in this, and people should pay attention to it. My, my take isn't that it's a masterpiece. It's clearly a, a <laughs> spin-off in the Star Fox universe, but still, I think it is worth playing. Um, and it, 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 there's mm. nothing that really plays like this from Nintendo. I guess you can argue there's other, like, um, surveillance games out there now, especially in the indie space. 
but this is just a pretty high quality one. Um, it's definitely small in scope, but there is a lot of fun to be had. And it's actually kind of a fun multiplayer game too, because even though it's largely single player orientated, someone next to you could be like, hey, feed six, feed six, there's a robot coming. And <laughs> that sort of cooperative nature really does kind of feed into it. Star Fox Guard always makes me... Go ahead, Jared. Star Fox Guard always makes me wish I were playing Night Trap. That's that's. Really that's what, oh I was going to make that uh, joke. I was like, so this is yeah. just Night Trap with Star Fox. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, if if Slippy was playing a tennis racket like a guitar and singing, I would like this game much more. But it Congratulations, really is Jared. You're the only person in 2022 who will say, God, I wish I were playing Night Trap right now. <laughs> <laughs> There were no game. congressional hearings where uh, this game was entered in as evidence uh, of a declining civilization, however. So, this is one game to keep an eye on, too, as well, because uh, on the eShop, it's fairly cheap, and it was bundled in with Star Fox Zero, but the second print of Star Fox Guard was a digital code, and you won't be able to redeem that come March 2023. Oh, So this game may go up in price, and may become rare, but right yeah. now it's pretty cheap. As, a, as someone who is one of the worst people I s- kind of speculate on games that I think are going to be rare. And I regret that I didn't buy this when it was $5 for like the absolute, you know, best version that you could buy still in the box, but Hey, what can you do? So John, as we are in take court right now, I'm going to say <laughs> objection. Star Fox zero. Isn't that bad? Come on. Really? Hey, I, I, I did- enjoy Star Fox zero. I don't think it's a masterpiece, yeah. but it's, it's fine. It's I've fine. never heard those takes <laughs> everybody <laughs> seems to hate hate that game so i'm curious as to what what makes it it's less i, I mean bad it's not it's not great i think it's one of the worst star fox games actually mm. but mm. it's very um, derivative but there's, there's some cool is. stuff in there i i didn't particularly care for the wii u controller however that said it was kind of a forerunner of a trend that you're seeing more and more now which is using motion controls to aim and we and Star Fox Zero was very extra about it, but I do kind of like the precision that it afforded. And once I got the hang of it, I was like, okay, this isn't so bad. I think I have figured this out. And I was using the Wii U gamepad like pretty much exclusively. I felt like I had a lot of control over it. I know a lot of people disagreed because it was very awkward to get used to at that point. And now, you know, we're seeing games like Horizon Forbidden West, which Mm-hmm. Did you know that there's a gyro uh, mm. ability to turn on gyro controls and actually aim in that game, which that. is great. So yeah. you should do that. The big problem with Star Fox Zero was for some reason on the TV in the third person view, your reticule was not accurate. So if you're looking on the no. gamepad through the cockpit, your reticule like, lines up as you see it. The TV, it doesn't. So it looks like you're aiming at somewhere, but you won't be aiming what you, what you think you're aiming at. You've got to use the gamepad. I think that's what gets people. It, it's such a strange design decision, but uh, if you if you are using the gamepad, I think you will have a much better time. Oh, Bowser's Fury gave me weird hope charger. That, I think I'm on a delay here. I apologize that I keep interrupting you, Seth. You're not interrupting, Jared. I'm interrupting you by just not letting you talk. Please speak. Now I uh, I well now I lost it and oh shoot. You know what? That's Bowser's Fury. What's that? Bowser's Fury? Oh, yeah. Bowser's Fury keeps giving me hope. Uh, thank you, Kat. That maybe Nintendo will just make like a five-hour Star Fox rail shooter. Uh, oh. Three-hour Star Fox rail shooter. Like the fact that they made that little version of a game I love. I'm like, that's what I want. Just give me another new original Star Fox game. Keep it short. 
don't build too much onto it. Package something else in with it and sell it to me. That sounds great. <laughs> or sell it as a digital only release so that in five years when they shut down the Switch store, I can't buy that one either. All right. It's a callback right there to some earlier frustrations. Speaking of frustrations, we need to talk about the Nintendo best console ever brackets that uh, we are in round two. We're in the quarterfinals and there are some uh, some choices that people have made in here. So this week, Super Nintendo went up against the GameCube. The Super Nintendo, thank God, won 64.2% of the vote against the GameCube. I'm not disparaging the GameCube, a absolutely lovely Nintendo console, but it's not the Super Nintendo. However, this next one, uh, if you're watching this on video, you will see steam come out of Jared's ears like a cartoon character. Uh, Nintendo 64 has beaten the Nintendo Entertainment System 68% to 32% of the vote. Oh, boy. So Nintendo 64 moves on. It will be, ooh, I just realized it's going to be facing the Super Nintendo in the next round. Um, that's going to be... It's going to be ugly. So Game Boy Advance beats the Game Boy 74.8% to 25.2%. I don't think that's much of a surprise there. And uh, this one I found very surprising. Not just so much that the uh, who the winner was, but how unbalanced the voting is. The Nintendo Switch versus the 3DS. The Nintendo Switch beat the 3DS 91.2% of the votes. Wow, and I find that very wow. upsetting because as much as I love my Nintendo Switch, and time will could prove me wrong, I do think the 3DS is the better of the two. Really interesting. I, do. I think it's got it's it plays all the DS games. It is got the cool uh, 3D feature that is the only way that I can actually see in 3D that in 3D movies. So uh, for that alone, it whisks me to literally another dimension <laughs> that, that I can't otherwise see. Uh, yeah, it has Street Pass. It fits in your pocket. What's the absolute best game on Nintendo 3DS? I asked. Absolute. Oh, out of out of all the DS in the entire 3DS library, what is the absolute best one? Uh, okay, we have to think about it. Nintendo Switch has Breath of the Wild <laughs> <laughs> and Mario Odyssey, okay, two okay, games okay. that are better than anything on the okay, 3DS. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Cat, then, the first game to pop into my head was Azuna Legend of the Unemployed Ninja 2. I mean, yeah, so, there you go. Yeah, oh, yeah, same. That old classic. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good game. Well, Cat just completely shut down conversation because there's no denying what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Switch is Breath of the Wild. But to be fair, so did the Wii U. And that was eliminated. Does that make week. the Wii U better than the 3DS? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, I, I just want to talk about the NES. I want to defend the NES's honor. For a yes, please do. I love the N64, actually, but I don't think a lot of the games on that thing actually hold up in this day and age. I can count them on, like, one hand. And the NES, I can play so many wonderful games that are still amazing to this day. So mm-hmm. many amazing games got their start on this system, from Castlevania to Mega Man to the Super Mario games. Super Mario Brothers 3 is still the best Super Mario Brothers game. And, of course, there's Ninja Gaiden, which is one of my all-time absolute favorite platformers. There's a crispness to the movement and a simplicity that is really wonderful. And the Famicom itself is just this wonderful piece of industrial design. If you take 
you know, ignore the fact that the controllers are way too short for the most <laughs> Glued part. to the side, yeah. The original Famicom slash NES exudes a joy that I really love seeing in video games. And it owned the 80s. Yeah. It owned the 80s. And there are so many NES games that I still play enjoy playing to this day, whereas I can count maybe three games on the N64 that I would be like, yes, I'm going to play this right now or frankly even stand up to the nes's library the original zelda still really dang good to this day it's different and if we want to bring it back to the breath of the wild breath of the wild is the closest to capturing that feeling of freedom and exploration that the original zelda had so the nes amazing console and for those of you watching the video I just wanted to mention that Jared held up, if you're not watching the video, Jared held up a top-loading NES, which is the rarer, later revision of the mm. NES. Um, harder to find. has that great dog bone controller, though. Yeah, I mean, it does have- I love the NES. I'm 43 years old. so My yeah, controversial it's- cat take is I prefer the rectangular <laughs> one to the dog bone one. Really? I, and it's it's just a... I think the dog bone one is better, but the rectangular one just feels right. Probably because mm-hmm. I put hundreds upon hundreds yeah. of hours into playing on the thing. And look, I get it's an age thing. I get that a lot of people who are voting grew up with the N64 and did not grow up with the NES. Yeah. But if I were to compare and contrast them, I would say, yeah, no, the NES is kind of better as a better history. The N64 was not all that successful in its day and it's just loaded to the absolute brim with incredible classics that defined the games industry so this is what i'm saying before the 3ds eShop and the wii u eShop go away go and play some of those nes games yes (laughs) and learn your history kids this is what happens This is this what is... happens when Nintendo doesn't respect its history. You get people voting for the N64 <laughs> over the NES. <laughs> it's a domino effect. It really Jared. is. This is not an old man yells at cloud situation here either. I, there, there were more good NES games in 1989 than there were the entirety of the N64's library. I love the N64. It's a fine console. But it, it, there's no comparison in terms of historical importance alone, the, like you said, industry-defining, but also just in terms of the games. There are scores of fantastic NES games that remain fun to this day, mm-hmm. uh, that remain innovative and impressive to this day. The N64 cannot boast that. It just can't. Um, yep. It, it, it's not the same, and it's not about, I'm old, so I like this. No, just just put them side by side and start playing the games for a few hours, and it'll it'll knock your socks off how yep. good the NES is to this day. I will I mean, say there's this. A reason, there's a reason that Quest 64 is still known today, and that's because <laughs> it's basically the only RPG on the N64. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a huge bummer for the N64. And then you can go to the uh, the regular NES, and you can find... Many many RPGs that are a little grindy. That's okay. Play, play them on Dragon Quest. Well, only one. Up. Dragon Quest three still holds up. Yeah, and four. I will. And honestly, I've, I've the said... original Final Fantasy still holds up. Yep. Yeah, it does. Buggy as hell. Get out, but it still holds up. <laughs> the Ultimate Quest to the Avatar port is fantastic. There's there's a lot of great RPGs in the NES. Yeah, um, I will say uh, the Nintendo sixty four, uh, my least favorite Nintendo console, but I don't think it's bad. But I do think that the Nintendo sixty four's color schemes 
you know, that great translucent uh, flavors of the 90s. Nothing comes close. Bring that The N64 was a great party machine. That's what it has over the NES. Because, you know, I had Smash, I have Mario Kart 64, you know, the four controllers. I mean, GoldenEye was the premier party game of the late 90s. Yeah. So that's one thing that the N64 definitely has over the original NES. Absolutely. All right. Chris Kohler's. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Jared, please. Uh, Chris Kohler said once on a, on a podcast I was listening to that they, in his dorm in college that they just called the N64 Bond. That was the name Bond, <laughs> because it was a party machine. It, it excelled at that like nothing ever has. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to get real quick to some news there. Hundreds of sealed rare games were found in a warehouse in Nebraska. Uh, like sealed copies of, I think, Chrono Trigger were found in there. Uh what else uh like aladdin for the snes and the genesis i believe it was just a a cache of of treasure of mint condition games that now on ebay in mint in box go for thousands of dollars i think chrono trigger complete in box is like a 2500 dollars game on ebay right now so basically yeah that's like the sort of thing i would wake up from a dream and just be like ah so disappointed that it's not real but it's real for whoever these these people are in nebraska um switch sport is out there is a uh, a demo for that and there's some word about it using fidelity fx to make the graphics look a little better so you're getting tricked there by the old uh, nintendo switch the <laughs> mario movie is getting toys so you can bring chris pratt home he is cool at last finally there's a knuckles show in development knuckles of course from sonic and knuckles and the mario rpg director quoted or was quoted as saying he would love to make another Mario RPG. Will that happen? Only Waddle D knows. But I don't know. All right, let's Bring talk about back. what we have been playing. Uh, Jared, what have you been playing uh, this week? Uh, I've been playing Grapple Dog. Uh, oh, which is, oh, tell me about Grapple Dog. Uh, Grapple Dog is a delight. I, I played the demo uh, a few months ago when it came out and was like, ooh, there's something here. It's, it's all, it's, a good Sonic game, first off, okay, um, because it's less about the speed than about mobility. Uh, you aren't quite as fast as Sonic until you get going. Uh, when you first play the levels, they almost play slowly like Mario platformers, but then you can go back and you discover that each level is also built, not just for exploring, but for speed running. So what they did was they used like the best parts of Sonic CD. Let's hunt around and find stuff. And then the best parts of what you remember about Sonic Green Hill Zone which is let's go fast. And you can play the same level twice with two entirely different goals, get rewarded for each way you play it. And both are a lot of fun. And it's very hard to design levels for two purposes like that, but then nail it. It's got a sort of a Mario uh, three style overworld to it. There's little shades of the best parts of Donkey Kong country without the crappy parts. Uh, there, there is a little bit of kind of Nintendo DNA to it. There's a cute little story. Frankly, I'm fine without that. Just skip through the cutscenes, and I, I haven't spent much time hunting around my boat and talking with characters. It's great. It is a really solid game that just keeps getting more and more interesting uh, the longer you play it. And I can't recommend it enough. I, I've had a ball with Grapple Dog, and I hope everybody tries it out because it, it's well worth your time. I have a code for it. I haven't played it yet. Looks um, so fun. I love the graphics of it and the yeah. art. Yeah. It looks like a 3DS game. I honestly. was just going to say this. Yeah. This looks yeah. like a game will be sad that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it appears. Have you played anything else, Jared? 
Uh, yeah, I'm also playing uh, Infernex, uh, which is um, a Brian Altano, NES. a fan right. of that one, told us all to play it. Yeah, it's a it's a throwback NES style game. It's it's very inspired by Simon's Quest. You get that vibe to it, but it's funny. It's bloody. It's cute. It has a lot of cute throwback jokes. This one is largely pandering to me in the best way. Oh, excellent. fortunately, it's also a very thoughtfully designed game, so you don't have to be a, an old horrible person with with you know wrinkled flesh and dust for bones to enjoy it and uh it it gives you options on difficulty in the way that the game progresses that that make it very accessible i i can't recommend it enough it's got a lot of love it's also fairly short um in in the good way not the bad way uh so infernax is great and then just because i'm i'm um uh, I like to, to talk about weird things I'm playing. I'm also playing a uh, kick-ass 3DO game right now, which is uh, this, uh, this, this lo- yes, the 3DO, the audio, video, and 3DO, our great lost console. Uh, I'm playing a 3DO game um, uh, for, uh, for work that I'm really, really enjoying. It's a fighting game that only came out in South Korea. Um, oh, wow. called the, that was uh, a called, deep hole. Yeah, <laughs> the Eye of Typhoon. Uh, and limited run is is selling it right now on our, our site, and I went out and checked it. And it is really good. It's really? it's an honest to god like wow, a really good lost fighting game that ended up on the 3DO in South Korea and nowhere else really. Like there's a PC version too, thankfully. So if you don't have a 3DO, you can play it uh, because with it also came out in South Korea. But y'all, if you want to play like a really fun like SNK style fighting game you never played. I really liked it. Uh, discovering okay. this was a joy. So, wow. Yeah. And you said uh, Limited Run's going to be... We're selling it right now. Out? Yeah, pre-order, it's right pre-orders now. right now. It's called The Eye of Typhoon. Excellent. But, uh, I mean, how often do you get like a new 3DO game that's actually good? <laughs> Ooh. I mean, how I often do you get a 3DO game that's actually good? <laughs> Return fire! Return fire! I'll die on that hill! <laughs> what a great John, what have you been uh, spending your time playing... So I've been playing, I've actually got the cartridge right here. I've been, pl- been playing on NSO. Earthbound. Is that in front of oh, you? Oh, Earthbound. look at that. Speaking of collectibles. Ooh. Yeah. So um, I'm Cost always saying Nintendo need more Nintendo um, NES games and Super Nintendo games, but then I don't end up playing them. I, I kind of demand them and then don't play them on the service. So I want to live up to my demands and actually play through Earthbound on, on Switch. My first playthrough was on Wii U back when that first came out, but I've not really played it from scratch since then. So I've started a fresh file, playing it on Switch, and it is such a delight. I, I, for, I almost forgot how good Earthbound is. Such a cozy world. Uh, the dialogue and characters are just so charming and endearing. Um, it, you, just, you just kind of lose hours to this game. And one thing that I adore, I, I kind of forgot about, is the combat system. So it's, it's a very traditional RPG. Apart from when you get hit, your health kind of ticks down. And you can like heal yourself in that time. So if you can make your next action before your health hits zero, you can live through that hit, even if it deals like a blatal, like a um, a fatal blow to you. It's just such a cool RPG, um, and I, I loved it when it came. Like I, I got a physical cartridge when I played the Wii U version. I loved it that much. That um, and I just haven't played it again since then. But totally play Earthbound if you haven't already. It's so <laughs> so good. All timer. <laughs> Yeah. Controversial takes here on NBC. Play Earthbound. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Kat, what have you been up to as far as uh, I, video games? I've been kind of playing everything. Um, so I have a copy of Horizon Forbidden West, so I've been playing through that. Mm-hmm. And the Cyberpunk PS5 Xbox Series X patch 
finally dropped. And I had said that I was not going to play Cyberpunk until that patch actually came out. So I was sampling that. And then I was, I'm still playing through Pokemon Legends Arceus. And of the three, I think I still prefer Pokemon Legends, actually. Because Horizon Forbidden West is a really beautiful game, really well made. It's extremely conventional. And I'm reminded, cat take, I want to ban box pushing puzzles forever. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Zelda. Find more interesting ways to do your environmental puzzles. They're just extremely boring and very contrived in a lot of ways. Mm. And also, I would also ban push A to kill, get the kill animation stuff. Horizon's not as bad as some other games about it. But uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's a really conventional game. Very beautiful. But I think it kind of highlights our industry's obsession with graphics. And Mm. Cyberpunk, I mean, I find it tolerable in the sense that it's kind of V and Judy's excellent lesbian adventure. But um, I I find the world to be really extra in a way that kind of puts me off a little bit. And the actual combat and everything is quite weak, in my opinion. Um, I'm still kind of playing through it because I feel obligated to keep going as far as I can so that I can have a, a stronger take on it. But I would, there's a part of me that really wants to bounce off it. And mm. uh, I, I'm hoping that there's a lot more there because even though they squashed a lot of the bugs and kind of got Night City to a point where it is more where they wanted it to be, like I think this, it's attempts to be an everything game. Uh, really drag it down because there's no one thing that I would say that it necessarily does except for being big. Um, but Pokemon Legends Arceus, that's just the perfect game. Like we were watching Legends of Legend of Vox Machina uh, last night and I just had Pokemon Legends Arceus going. I was wandering around the world, catching Pokemon, being super chill and everything. And the the concept undergirding that game is just so well executed. And yeah, yeah, the graphics are amateurish, very amateurish. And I think it could go still further in terms of deepening the combat and the systems and everything. But the core concept of it is really, really strong. It is uh, the Star Fox Guard of Pokemon. Oh! <laughs> Call it back. Well, that's a strong so, take. Yeah. Um, so a- as ideas go, I just, I like it. It's fun. It's a nice game. And I think that it's going to be... Kind of, it's kind of creeping up my best of list uh, for 2022. Ah, wow. Yeah. Do um, do the children in Cyberpunk still look really weird? Because I remember they just kind of <laughs> squished down the adult models and put like a childish <laughs> head on. <laughs> I have not seen any of the kids. Mostly, I'm just kind of wandering through this neon drenched world in uh, of Night City and being like, eh, this is um a lot. The advertisements are really annoying, actually. And I feel like I spend a lot of time in elevators in that game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So much time in elevators. Yeah. I started playing it on um, PC when it first came out. Eh, I might check it out on on Xbox, just because it's easier to see. No, don't get it on Xbox. No? PS5's better. Really? That's Xbox uh, has frame rate drops and whatnot. Ah, well, that's yeah. a bummer because it's also. It's funny because I mean, this isn't a this isn't a PS5 podcast, but even though the Xbox might be more technically capable, um, the PS5 is easier to develop for, and it's kind of showing in games like uh, Cyberpunk. So interesting. Well, I have only been playing one game 
uh, well, that's not true. I played some Nintendo games as well, but I took your advice, Cat, and I got Fantasy Star, the Sega Ages version oh. for the Nintendo Switch because you said M2 took care of it, and I was like, say no more. And uh, I started playing that, and yeah, it's lovely. It's wonderful. I haven't gotten very far because generally I, when I get a, an RPG, an old-school RPG, I mostly just walk around grinding. And so I haven't progressed the story very far. I'm just trying to build up my... Uh, my abilities, my capacity. I actually haven't added anybody to my party yet. I'm just wandering around, grinding away. But yeah, lots of nice little quality of life features. When I found out that you could increase the walk speed, it was it was an unbelievable revelation. Just it made the game so much more bearable. And I think I spoke about how that was the game that at a sleepover, my Master System friend had that started a little crack in my Nintendo fanboy uh, facade that I had because I couldn't believe that a game that wasn't on Nintendo because I knew Nintendo was better obviously could look that good and play that good and be that awesome the huge enemy sprites and the walking through the dungeons the sort of mock 3D effect it's like $8 go get it on um, on, the, on the eShop there also I was playing Fantasy Star 4 on the Nintendo Switch Online expansion and that is nice. also an incredible wonderful game it's kind of hard to go back to the original Fantasy Star from Fantasy Star 4, which is amazing. But I feel like Fantasy Star doesn't get enough love. It, we, we always it talk about Final Fantasy, but Fantasy Star is just so incredible. And I wish there were more. I actually have... Showing off collectibles here. I actually have a copy of Fantasy Star 4, <laughs> complete in box. Dang. So, Wow. Hammer. Didn't they give the Sega Ages version a map of Fantasy Star yes. 1? Yeah, that's, that's a huge addition. Yeah. It, yeah. So when you go into a dungeon, there's it, it's drawing the map that you used to have to have your you know grid paper to draw uh, in a notebook. And it's doing it for you automatically. And it's showing you where you found a treasure. So you don't have to like go back to it and uh, where there's a, a whatever, where there's things. It's wonderful. It's definitely the way to play Fantasy Star. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. I love it. M2. I love M2 so much. <laughs> I do too. They're wonderful. I, just incredible. I, I, I got to know the, the guy that runs him a little bit and they, he got into emulation because there was a gauntlet machine at the convenience store down the street and his friends were spending all their high school money on it. So that's when he started learning to program was he just programmed his own gauntlet at home. So he wouldn't spend money on the one down the road and then it wasn't wow. good enough for him. So he got into emulation so that he could make a perfect version of it. Yeah. And that's where his like pixel perfect and uh, emulation thing started. Like, but it was all about saving money on change in high school. <laughs> yeah, we should. What a great story! Yeah, every story that I hear about M two is like magical. They're like, oh, they're this this uh, capacitor didn't exist anymore, so they opened up a mine and started mining the raw materials at a foundry to make it, <laughs> just so they could have everything be pixel perfect. Yeah, M two is fantastic. We should the have people M2 who obsessively pro- program around emulation to get the absolute best possible experience. They're the real heroes yeah. of the games industry because they're the ones who are actually saving the history yeah. of this mm. medium. Yeah. yeah. I mean, To give Nintendo a tiny bit of credit for preserving history, it was very cool on Switch when they um, archived a bunch of arcade machines, like Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. were finally re-released. And there was mm. some really like um, out there stuff too that, that I don't think ever came to um, the States or, or Europe ever. So that stuff's cool. They can do good stuff with preservation, but they can also do this, where they shut down a bunch <laughs> of stores. 
and they preserved the original Donkey Kong for the first time in Donkey Kong 64. So (laughs) (laughs) they'll do it, but you just have to play through a half of a game that most people hate. I happen to love Donkey Kong 64. We have one quick question for question block, and I picked this one because I think it's pretty easy to answer, and I'm interested to hear what you all think about it. But Jason Frost asks, should we give up on any hopes on the Yokai franchise coming back to the West? Yes. Give up. <laughs> it's not coming back. I'm sorry. My kids were obsessed and they loved Yokai Watch. Uh, and then one day they weren't anymore and they've never thought about it since. And it never did very well sales wise in the United States. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say yes. Kat, what do you think for poor Jason Frost? Level five's an interesting story because they were really dominant back in the DS and 3D, 3DS yeah. era. And they have not really put out a lot this uh, this generation on the Nintendo Switch. And, you know, there have been some reports of financial issues and that kind of thing. And the thing with Level 5 is they will get a really, really popular franchise like Inazuma 11 or Yokai Watch. And then they will ride it. And they will ride it hard until <laughs> everybody gets really burned out on it. And you, there's an entire story to be told about how Level 5 arguably really mishandled the Yokai Watch franchise because it was the biggest thing in Japan mm-hmm. for a while. And now, and then everybody just, it's, it was just a fad. It was a fad in the way that Pokemon turned out to be a fad. So <laughs> I'm sorry to say that uh, it's, it's never coming out in the U S um, and that kind of thing. I, I thought it was nice, but it never really captured me because yeah. it really did feel like it was for kids it didn't have it didn't dig deeper in the way that the pokemon games always did with yeah. um their systems but i mm-hmm. i'm sorry i'm sorry to be mean about uh yokai watch but mostly my interest in that series is mostly to do with um level five as a company yeah. john what do you think is are we going to get any yokai I know there's some very passionate Yokai Watch fans. Mm. I think that's because um, 3DS came out 11 years ago. So let's say you were seven when that system came out. You're 18 now. You're an adult. Oh my so God. Yokai Watch was kind that's of so like your childhood, yeah. maybe, which is crazy to think about. Um, and I guess they're being led on a little bit because Japan got Yokai Watch 4. I think the PS4 got remastered the first game. Uh, so they clearly just want remnants of their childhood back, which is understandable. But you're totally right. It's probably never coming back to the West, which it sucks <laughs> if you're a fan, but yeah. it just didn't do that well here. Yeah, unfortunately not. Jared, do you, are you going to watch? F- will come back to the West, but you'll have to beat half of Donkey Kong 64 to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, we are all out of time for this week's Nintendo Voice Chat. John and Jared, thank you both so much for being on. John, where can people find you online? I'm at Good Vibes Gaming, where I, um, I'm joined by a bunch of ex-Game Explained colleagues like Derek Bittner and Ash Polson and Steve Bowling, and we do a bunch of Nintendo and general gaming coverage. Excellent, and thank you for being on the show. Jared, where can people find you? You can find me at the Top 100 Games Podcast, a little show that I do to, to uh, gush about games I love. Please message Kat Bailey and ask her to be a guest on that show at some point, and, um, uh, because, because I keep asking her. And uh, also, you can find me at Limited Run Games. We're making physical versions of the games you love. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I, uh, over there, making uh, all kinds of fun things with some really neat people. Awesome. And thank you 
for being out here with us as well. Uh, I want to thank Kate on the ones and twos, Logan behind the scenes. I want to thank you, the audience, most of all for hanging out with us. And remember, in spite of the fact that Pear Schneider is not here today, NBC is the only place where you can get the thing. Get the thing. IGN Fan Fest, a massive event celebrating the biggest names in games and entertainment. And it's all powered by you, the fans. Join us for exclusive new looks and deep dives on the most exciting things you can't wait for this year. It's got goosebumps. Brand new gameplay, sneak peeks, stars, and your biggest questions answered. IGN Fan Fest kicks off on February 19th at 11 a.m. Pacific, so don't miss a second of it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.